1: Let's talk August history, shall we, with Chris Goforth from History Nebraska. You're the perfect guy for this. The perfect Oh, I guy am. To talk about August history.
0: Well, I'll take your word for it.
1: You're all about it. <laughs> all about August history. Let's start with August Tooth the 2nd. This is a big deal. Uh, Nebraska, the 14th state to ratify the 19th Amendment.
0: Yeah, this happened in, uh, ironically, 1919. The 19th Amendment was ratified by Nebraska. It was the 14th state to ratify the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And if you don't know what the 19th Amendment is all about, that is the amendment that gave women the right to vote. Now, there's the interesting thing. It wasn't just a carte blanche, all women. I mean, I think that's a lot of uh, there's some misconceptions sometimes when people hear about that, because there were still some issues that involved uh, voting rights in the United States, and we encourage people to learn more about it, and you still can at the Nebraska History Museum right here in Lincoln. We have our nationally award-winning exhibit, Votes for Women. It's on display right now until the end of this year, because with, you know, the pandemic and everything, you know, we didn't feel it was fair to close it down when it was originally supposed to close down, which was at the end of 2020. So we did keep it open, and uh, we encourage people, if you want to learn more about uh, women's suffrage in the United States, and more specifically, Nebraska's role in that story, come out to the museum, check it out. And uh, you can also learn about some other cool things that we have on exhibit as well.
1: Speaking of the exhibit, let's point out that Nebraska history abiding by all CDC guidelines, uh, protecting the guests as much as possible.
0: Yeah, so you'll, you'll see that our frontline staff will be wearing masks. Uh, we've been doing that uh, since, you know, day one of any mask mandate. And even though there are no mandates right now, we, we decided it was important to, to continue to protect, uh, especially the children that come into the museum, because we know that a lot of children that visit, they're not able to get the vaccine yet. So uh, we do our best to make sure that our guests feel comfortable. And uh, we certainly hope that people do feel comfortable coming in and learning about Nebraska history right here in the museum in Lincoln.
1: Chris, go forth from History, Nebraska. Now, full disclosure on my part, I have never been to the Czech Festival. Oh, uh, The Czech damn. Festival in Wilbur. Never, it's a Nebraska institution, I know.
0: And you just never been. It. I know you just missed it. Yeah. The first one happened August 4th of 1962. So, I mean, we're we're talking about a Nebraska staple by this point. The first annual Czech festival uh, wrapped up, in fact, on August 4th of 1862. We don't know how many kolaches were consumed that day, but I think, you know, uh, this year, I'm sure it was quite a few. But who can turn down a kolache?
1: I hear you went with kolache as opposed to kolache. (laughs)
0: Uh, tomato
1: tomato i I don't know i've heard perhaps a perhaps a
0: listener out there can make sure we're pronouncing it correctly i'm not
1: czech i'm swedish if it has to do with fish yeah maybe then i know about it being swedish but kolaches it it doesn't matter though really what how you pronounce it they still taste great it still tastes amazing. Yep. Uh, let's check out some birthdays. August is full of birthdays. We come up on our first August 8th. Former Nebraska Governor, U.S. Senator Jim Exon.
0: He, he was not a Nebraska-born, nope. but, of course, he had a major role in Nebraska history, yep. serving as a, a governor and a U.S. Senator. But, yeah, he was born on August 8th of 1921, and he's not the only politician that was born in August that represented Nebraska, and this one does have a, a birthplace right here in lincoln august 27th of 1943 you have former governor and u.s senator bob Kerry. he was born in august and a couple of other notables as well that i think people probably recognize the name of uh, august 30th 1930 warren buffett one of the wealthiest people in the world he was born in omaha and on the very last day of the month august 31st of 1928 actor james coburn was born in laurel nebraska small town of laurel you know of course you probably know him from many different films like magnificent seven hell is for heroes the great escape i know him really for from one man flint but of course i have kids so i know him from monsters inc and also one of my favorite movies maverick with uh, uh who is in that? mel gibson Stars in that one and Jody Foster That one's hilarious and he's in that one too But what's really interesting that people don't know About with James Coburn that he was a big Fan of fast cars and He's credited for introducing Steve McQueen to Ferraris And if anyone is a fan of Steve McQueen Know that he is just infatuated with ferraris he just loves those uh loves those vehicles so we can kind of thank james Coburn, a nebraska boy for introducing steve mcqueen to ferraris and kind of starting
1: that part of uh, the steve mcqueen persona love his voice deep voice oh, might, yeah james Coburn, great voice
0: absolutely i yeah. think that's one of those that if he if he reads you a book you're going to be out
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is why he's so good on monsters inc Exactly. All right, uh, some serious history in the month of August, the 14th, 1720. Tell us about this uh, combined force of Pawnee and Oto Indians and a, and a few French traders.
0: Yeah, so this is a, a pretty fascinating part of Nebraska history. So you had the these group of Native Americans, the Pawnee Odo, some French traders. They surprised and overwhelmed a Spanish army from Santa Fe. It's known as the Villasur Massacre after the Spanish commander who led that. And the battle, we don't know exactly where it happened, but we believe it was near or around present day Columbus. So what happened was in June of 1720, the Spanish military force led by Sir Pedro de Villasur left Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they were trying to gather information on French activities near the Missouri River. Now, the contingent included about 45 veteran soldiers, uh, 60 Pueblo native allies, some Apache scouts, also a priest. Now, near present-day Schuyler, Viasor's command encountered a large number of Pawnee and Odo, who were allies of the French. And so the Spanish withdrew to right around Columbus, Nebraska, and they camped. The next morning on August 14th of 1720, there was a major attack. It only took minutes for Villa and 45 others from his camp to be killed. Survivors escaped across the prairie. They just fled. The Spanish losses were so great. Um, It's considered to be the greatest. um, The the, the losses were the greatest suffered by uh, uh, white men in any battle with Native Americans on Nebraska soil. And it's. One of the the deepest official explorations also of the Great Plains by Spanish explorers. So it, it has a couple of interesting aspects to it, this uh, this Viasor expedition. And it really slowed down the Spanish uh, exploration, too, because the next time the Spanish would explore any part of Nebraska would be 1806. So some 80 plus years later, they decide, OK, maybe we can go back and check it out. But for a long time, they're like, we ain't going to that area again.
1: I was really amazed when I learned about the Spanish involvement in parts of Central America, and South America for that matter, and didn't realize until just recently just how vast the Spanish were in moving into uncharted territories and and, in countries and areas of the world where there were already people living. I'm thinking of my experience in uh, Peru with the Spanish and the Inca, and here we have Spanish in what is now Nebraska. I mean, they were all over the place.
0: They were all over the place. They were looking to expand their empire, and of course, many other countries were as well. And you you find a lot of these conflicts occurring. And uh, Nebraska, surprisingly, was is no stranger to uh, that part of history.
1: Chris, go forth from history, Nebraska. There is a date anyone who was around August sixteenth of nineteen forty three probably heard the uh oh. Or the oops that went on from the US military when they accidentally dropped bombs on a Nebraska community.
0: Yeah, and if you lived in Tarnov, Nebraska, you were probably a little bit more freaked out than oops or uh oh. At least the, the bombs turned out to be practice bombs. Yeah. Let's make sure that's yeah. that's clear. They and they were being dropped during a night training mission. The crews mistook the lights of tarnov to be mm. the lighted bombing range that was a few miles south of stanton so they just got completely confused as to where they were two planes dropped the bombs between 4 and four thirty in the morning so just imagine you're like not even getting up yet and all of a sudden this ruckus happens thankfully nobody was injured there was one residence that was hit in the southern part of the village But again, thankfully, uh, there there were no injuries there. But uh, it's just one of those weird occurrences. And of course, you know, the technology is a lot different than 1943 compared to what it is in in 2021. But uh, Tarnov got a, a rude awakening that morning on August 16th.
1: Those out milking cows at that early morning never expected to see a bomb drop. Uh, beside the barn or somewhere on their property when they were out doing that
0: hearing no. bombers fly overhead was probably one of the most no. unusual experiences of their lives yeah
1: when it scared the milk cows all right before we leave uh, August 25th of 1971 gets my attention because it has to do with motorcycles bareheaded bikers went to the state capitol building protesting at that time it was a new law 1971 requiring motorcyclists to wear helmets
0: I thought it was interesting to include this because it goes to show that even though some issues take place in history, they still have a place in present day. And this is still a topic that is debated mm-hmm. and contested uh, even even this year. I mean, I, I think every – it seems like every other year, every few years, there's another law that uh, – another bill that's introduced in the legislature that is uh, debating the validity of wearing – bike helmets and whether we should or shouldn't and the ramifications of uh, you know the pros and cons and uh, I think it's something that just goes to show that even though some of these issues may have existed in the past they still exist today and they still get debated
1: and in my network with bikers it's about 50-50 split i still hear those who will not leave without a helmet and i still encounter those who can't wait to cross a border of a state and peel that helmet off and let the hair fly, or in a lot of cases, with baby boomer bikers, just bareheaded.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's one of the key things that it's it's not a an issue that is got a majority. I nope. mean, there's there is a split across the state, I'm sure, as well of people's opinion on it.
1: Hey, Chris, just a few minutes left. Uh, recently, uh, there was a, a, a noteworthy ceremony at Chimney Rock, and you were there. Take a few moments just to go back there and, and tell folks about it.
0: Yeah, so earlier this uh, this last month in July, we had a special grand reopening of our Chimney Rock Museum out near Bayard, Nebraska in the Panhandle. It uh, was a special moment for us because uh, we closed down the Chimney Rock Museum at the end of 2019 with the expectation that we would have the renovations completed by the beginning of the tourist season of 2020. Well, we all know what happened in 2020 and it really threw our entire schedule off. Uh, We had fabricators that were shut down, we, of course, never really got a chance to do a special opening because of the uh, the pandemic. And uh, we did a soft opening at the end of the tour season last year in 2020. So this was our opportunity to really celebrate uh, this, uh, this great milestone. We had completely renovated exhibit space. We expanded the building, added an education center for classrooms to uh, come to visit, and uh, added more interactives and just made the experience at the museum overall more engaging, more fun and more educational so that uh, people coming by, uh, even though, I mean, you can see Chimney Rock, you don't have to you know pay for uh, the views, the views are for free, but uh, understanding and learning the history and its role in not just US history, but Nebraska history and the Oregon Trail and Western migration in this country really is uh, fascinating and uh, how Chimney Rock how Chimney Rock's story fits into that overall story is uh, quite remarkable. And we encourage people that uh, if you're not able to make it this year, because, you know, of course, uh, school's going to be starting up uh, very, very soon here in Lincoln. But, um, you know, next summer when you're making your plans, uh, make sure to include Chimney Rock in there as well. It's going to be one of the most incredible landmarks on your journey, wherever you might be going.
1: Chimney Rock's on my ride-to list, on my motorcycle ride-to list. You
0: will not be disappointed. It's pretty darn cool. Nope.
1: Thanks for taking us through August historically, Chris?
0: Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And of course, if people want to learn more, head to our website, history.nebraska.gov. If you are a fan of history, if you support history education, become a member, support what we do and uh, give us that opportunity to expand you know, our, our educational resources and be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.
1: And this conversation is on the KFOR Lincoln Live podcast tab, Lincoln Live at KFORnow.com. Chris, go forth from History, Nebraska on Lincoln Live.